are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. All right, open your Bibles now, please, to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And we'll read one verse in this portion, 2 Timothy 1, verse 12. For the which cause also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. The next verse. Hold past the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me, in the faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Now turn back, please, if you will, to John 12, John chapter 12. And verse 24. Now, if you don't have this verse underscored and marked in your Bible, please do so. John 12, 24. When I read all the passage, the chapter that and surrounding this, but just the one verse. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat, a grain of wheat, falls into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. I want you to hold that verse. I want to talk to you a little while about building successful Christians. Dr. Hudson, the great aim of this meeting is for the building of successful Christians. A successful Christian is one who lives victoriously, and a successful Christian is one who multiplies himself by winning others to Christ. That's it. That's all. Not a matter of arguing, not a matter of fussing about little things, not a matter of discussing minor matters, but the great aim of this meeting is, number one, to make you and to help you to be a victorious Christian. And my dear friends, if you have listened through these days, you have enough to last you for the next hundred years. The danger is that you'll forget after you're gone. Two or three days will go by. It slips away from you. The high excitement of singing, listening, preaching, invitations. And if you're not careful, in the routine of life, you lose that. So tie on to everything you hear and say, Oh God, I want to be a successful Christian, a happy Christian, a soul-winning Christian, a witnessing Christian, and make up my mind to it. And then stay with it. Back at home, some churches are not very much alive. They've had some difficulties. Some churches having financial problems. Some churches having little problems between personalities in the church. Some churches have deacon problems. Sunday school teacher problems. Whatever it may be, but in the midst of all of it, in all of it, you're to make up your mind, I'm going to live a victorious Christian life. I'm not going to bow down to little things, to meager things, to small matters, but I want to be a great Christian for the glory of God and want my life to be used to bring souls to the Savior. Now, failures are common. Now, if you want to fail, you can. Go ahead. You won't be by yourself. Failures are common. Common as dirt. They're everywhere. Well, that's not the will of God. God's will for you is that you live a victorious Christian life. 
And in the living of that life, you obey his call to be a witness for him. Acts 1.8, ye shall be witnesses unto me. And this is the thing that God wants you to have. Now, I've tried to write down some things on this matter of the successful Christian life. What does it take? What does it take to be a success? Great education. I'm in favor of education. Tennessee Temple University is there to train people, but it's not that. Is it appearance? No. That's not it. Lester Roloff was a success. My dear friends, he was a success. Now, anybody will tell you that. His enemies will tell you that. His friends know it. He was a success. I just thought of a paper called I wonder later. A little write-up of this morning about the young man, the 17-year-old boy killed his mother. They didn't newspaper this morning. You see that yesterday and today killed his mother. They freed him. Put him on probation. And they said they're going to send him to a, a Christian school in Corpus Christi, Texas. The anchor school. I know all about it. Has he got a big day of awakening? But my dear friends, as sure as you live, if that boy goes there and obeys the simple rules that Lester Roloff laid down for his young people, within one year's time he'll come out of there a new man, knowing Christ, knowing the will of God, and will live successfully for the rest of his days. I mean, they work them. I said a man out last week, came to me and begged me to get him in the roll-off home. And the roll-off place, he's a man in his 40s, drinking, heavy problem of drink. So I called up, arranged everything for him, paid the bill, sent him on out. I forget what the fare was, get him out there on the plane. He paid the whole business. Then stayed one evening and they talked to him a little bit told him what he had to do, and he said, I don't like that. So he walked downtown, went to the rescue mission downtown, then called me the next day and wanted me to bring him back home. I said, stay there. I'm going to bring you home. I warned him before he went. I said, you go out there, you make up your mind, you don't drink liquor, but you don't even drink coffee. And he said, I want anything, but when he got there, he didn't like it. But you see, Brother Olaf knew what he was doing. And God used him, and he was a success, and you too can be a success in your life. Now, that's not a matter of ragabocio, that's not a matter of glorifying self. I'm saying that God wants you to be a victorious Christian. What does it take? Number one, it takes knowledge of salvation, certainty of salvation, knowing that you have been born again. Now, that's an important thing. Sometimes even our good Christians in churches begin to waver. And the wonder. And when they do, they weaken themselves. And for the child of God to be victorious, you've got to say, this I know that Jesus is my Savior. I have no doubts about it. For I know whom I have believed, said the Apostle Paul. I know. And you can know it. And you'll never be successful in the Christian life unless there is a certainty about your born-again experience. You know that Christ is your personal Savior, that heaven is your home. I've had many experiences. 
I get a check every month from a lady in Conway, South Carolina. Every single month the check comes in for Tennessee Temple. Incidentally, she makes it out to me. I've received a check every month since 1946 without missing one month from this lady. Back when I was pastor in Fairfield, Alabama, I've stayed there five years, one morning early before daybreak, I came a pounding at the door, went to the door, there stood a lady named Mrs. Jackstone. Mrs. Jackstone was a graduate of University of Alabama, had a master's degree in education, had been principal of a high school. She taught a Bible class in the church, had been teaching it 20 years, and a talented, cultured, wonderful speaker, a great lady. And there that early morning hour, I got out of bed, went to the door, she stood there, and she said, Pastor, I've come to ask you to show me how to be saved. I've never been born again. And said, I know it. And for years I've been going on, lying to people, deceiving people about my salvation. I want you to show me. I called my wife. She came to the living room of our home in Fairfield, and I took the Bible and led Mrs. Jackstone to the Lord. Up to that time, she never led her soul to Christ. Then she began to win souls. I went to Highland Park in 1942. We began the school in 1946. She wrote me a letter. She said, I'm sending you a check for Tennessee Temple young people. I want you to use it the way you want to use it to help them. I'll send you one every month as long as I live. That check's been coming. This is 1983. Since 1946, she's done that. And she writes the letter and testifies to her salvation, which she didn't have for years and years and years. A Sunday school teacher and lost. I finished the broadcast one morning. I was sitting on the platform of the church in Chattanooga. And as I finished the 30-minute broadcast, which we've had every day for more than 40 years, every single day, 30 minutes live, no tape broadcast, for 40 years. I finished the broadcast, and down the aisle came a man. He walked up on the platform. He said, my name is so-and-so, and gave it to me. He said, I came out to see you and told you for a moment. He said, I just got saved. I said, you just got saved. He said, yes, sir. I said, where'd you get saved? He said, sitting out in the car. He said, I was coming into town and in my car. I had your radio program on. You talked about how to be saved. And in the car, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And he said, I've driven up here in front of your church, and I waited for you to finish. Then I walked in here to tell you that I got saved just a few moments ago. Radio broadcast. I said, so where do you live? He named the town down below Dalton, Georgia. I said, that's where you live? He said, yes, sir. He said, I came up here on business to Chattanooga. Well, I said, sir, what is your business? He said, I'm pastor of the First Baptist Church in my town. I'm a college graduate, a seminary graduate, but I've never been saved until this morning. There was no super emotionalism. He had listened to a radio broadcast, a simple daily broadcast on the air, driving in his car, and said, I've never known Jesus as my Savior. And no excitement, he simply said, I know this, and I receive him now, and, and he testifies to this day about his salvation. Now, wait a minute. You better know, and a successful Christian life will depend upon the certainty of your mind and heart in saying, I know that Jesus is mine. Number one. Number two. Secondly, there must be the acceptance of God's will. Now, watch careful what I'm going to say. And you're not careful, you throw it away. God has a will for every one of us here this morning. 
Now, wonder who you are. God has a will. He has a will for your life. Now, are you in the will of God? Are you in the will of God? Now, that's a sobering thing. Notice, please, God does not hide his will from you. He wants you to know it. He's not trying to play hide and seek. He's not playing any games. He wants you to know his will. If you don't know God's will, it is your fault, not God's. If you don't know God's will, it's because you have camouflaged your mind and your heart with many things of the world until you're not listening and not getting through. He wants you to know his will. God wants you to know exactly what you're to do. Whether to be a farmer or a mechanic or a teacher or a preacher or whatever it is, he knows exactly what he wants you to do. He has a will for your life. I believe that. The eternal God. Now, the successful Christian life will depend upon your knowing and doing the will of God. Know his will. How do you know the will of God, number one? By submission. Such a big word we use so much. How easy we sing, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way, and go and do as we please. We tell more lies than church any place in the world. More lies. We sing where he leads, now we'll follow them, refuse to follow him. Now, if you're to be in the will of God, it means submission. You say, dear Lord, whatever you say, I do it. Secondly, it means evaluation. You've got to see things as they are, and brother, you better get them. Evaluation. You've got to put the price upon things that God puts on them, and the primary price and importance must be on the spiritual, not on the material. And if you put the wrong evaluation on life, you're wrecked again. I think as Bob Gray mentioned last night about some preacher talking about how associates on how much you wanted. We had a problem in our place once in a while. I had a man come to the office the other day, he walked in. I mean, he was, he was rather upset too, fine fellow, pastor of the church. He said, I came to search for an associate pastor. And he said, uh, I stood up on the corner talking to a bunch of young fellows. And I told him what I was doing. I came down here to look around, just see if I find some man who felt led of God to come and help me. And he said, uh, as it is so, one fellow spoke to him and said, well, I want to be an associate. And he said, I began to talk to him. And he said, once he said to me, how much do you pay? And he said, well, he said, we try to take care of a man. This young fellow answered back. He said, sir, unless I get at least $30,000, I wouldn't consider any job at all. He turned towards him and came to the office to see me. I said, I'll, I'll handle the young man. I'll very handle him. Our young people are taught to never ask how much. Never. They're to obey God. Now, there must be evaluation. Then there must be direction. You've got to follow God's direction for your life. Go the way that God wants you to go. God's direction. Now, know his will. Now, this, this, this is something. Now, if you come out of this meeting here in Murfreesboro and go back home, establish, set in your mind, knowing that the will of God is thus and so for you, if that could happen, my dear friend, this could be the most important meeting you've ever had. But if you go back out of here and say, I heard preaching and singing, but I'm not sure the will of God. And I don't know what God wants you to do. Yes, you can find out. He wants you to know. You can know the will of God. I spoke to one of the young men the other day in London. I pastored, I preached for two days in a little church where he pastored. Tiny thing, just getting underway. And I said, oh, I have one thing to ask you. Are you in the place where God wants you to be? He said, yes, sir. Is this the will of God for you to be here? He said, yes, sir. 
I'm not doubting at all. This is where God wants me. And brother, he's got tough sledding. It's tough sledding. He's fighting some battles. But he said, God wants me here and I want to stay. Now that's all right. It matters not whether you preach to ten, ten people or ten thousand just so you're in the will of God. And he was in the right place, though, a small, difficult place. He said, this is it. Now the call of God comes to young men and young ladies, too, for the service of Christ, obeying, answering. There must be acceptance of his will for your life. I must hasten. Number three. Number three. The successful Christian life will know the meaning of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Now we're getting in an area that's tough on some people. They get so upset they listen to TV broadcasts over here that tell about certain things and certain demonstrations that are accompanying the Spirit of God, and that bothers them. They get so many different ideas coming to them. This book says be filled with the Spirit. This means emptiness and willingness. Two things. Emptiness, emptiness of self, and willingness for God to bless you and fill you. He will do it. He wants to do it. He waits to do it. He wants you to know the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You'll never, never boast about it. Not if you feel you won't. You'll never boast. You'll never brag about it. But you can know deep in your heart when you've surrendered everything to it and you're empty of self and willing for God to use you, then there's an evidence of the fact that you're happy about it. I preached up in London, New Hampshire. I finished the service and walked out across the grounds to go back to my cabin. And a young man walked in here, probably about 24, 25 years of age. He said, uh, Brother Roberts, I heard you speak a moment ago. He said, I want to ask you one question. I said, yes, sir. He said, are you filled with the Holy Spirit now? Now, wait a minute. I'm not going to tell you what I answered him, but I want to ask you the same thing he asked me. You see, that gets down to it, doesn't it? You may say, well, I'm not now, but I'll plan to be the next Sunday. I'm not now, but I hope I'll be later. No, no. If the life is to be successful and victorious, then you must know the fullness now. That means emptiness and willingness. Are you empty of self? Are you willing to do what God says? Now this is it. Be filled with the Spirit. And you can be filled. Be filled daily. Daily. This gives power to witness. Gives power to live victoriously. The fullness of the Holy Spirit. Now that's a long, long subject. Big subject. But study it. Stay with it. Just stay with it until you know what the book says. Read the book of the Acts, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Read, study, think. Read books if you can, the good ones, the ones that have it. Such books as R.A. Torrey and others. The book of Dr. John Rice on Holy Spirit, one of the best. One of the best. Get hold of his book. Read it. Study it. It'll give you so much. And then apply it to your life and say, I want the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I want God to use me. And the reason to do a fourth thing. The successful Christian life depends on death to self. I could have incorporated that into my third thought, but I want to make a separate one. Depends on death to self. Ninety-nine and forty-four one-hundredths percent of all of your problems come from yourself, your self-life. And if you don't do what the book says and die to self, then you'll never know victory and you'll never be a soul winner. There must be a dying to self. And that's reading I read to you a moment ago in John 12, 24. Verily, verily, I send to you, except a corn of wheat, a grain of wheat, fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. The question is, when did you die? Have you seen the two little books out of England? 
One is told, when did you die? And the other is told, how to die daily. They cost 35, 40 cents piece, worth about a million dollars. Little books. When did you die? When did you, do you, have you reckoned yourself to be dead? Have you died to the positive things? Have you died to the negative things of life? Have you died to compliments? Have you died to criticism? You better. I enjoyed the service last night so very much. I, I love to be in the house of God. But I came in, when he came to the desk up there, Al gave me a letter that somebody was sending here. I carried it back to the room. And I was in the glow of just being in God, with God's people, and I love to be with the people of God. Boy, a fellow tore into me. He said, I've been carrying this grudge for 38 years. He said, I'm a Christian. But he said, I can't forgive you for something you did 38 years ago, something I don't even know about. I have no idea what he means. Isn't that something? I haven't heard the man's name in, in 38 years. There was a time when I do recall his name. And I recall his name only because, because he's a Hebrew Christian. And I had a little part because he was a Hebrew Christian. But that's the last of it. That was way, way back there in the early part of my ministry. Now, wait a minute. Those things will happen no matter what you, how you live and where you live, you're going to have them. But in it all, you better learn the secret of dying to self. And getting self out of the way so that you move on trusting God with faith in God and rejoicing in Him. You know, some people come along and have a little problem and a little trouble hits them and they quit everything. That's when they quit teaching Sunday school classes. That's when they quit singing the choir. That's when they quit ushering. They quit everything in the world. They quit coming to this station program. Something didn't go right. Luther, you've got to reckon self to be dead. It'll not be right. You'll fail again and again. Things around you will fail, but you trust God. Have faith in God. He'll see you through. Faith in God. Reckon self to be dead. Way back when I first started in Highland Park, and Bob would know of this pretty well, had a dear lady teaching a Sunday school class, and boy, she was a dandy. She had taken her class through the school field Bible five times, chapter by chapter. And that's pretty good. I mean, she, she read and studied and gave it to the class. A good teacher. But a good teacher with a bad habit. The bad habit was that every three or four months, she got up before the class and said, Now, girls, I've been teaching you for a long time. I've decided I've gone long enough, and I've taught you everything I know. It's best for you to find another teacher. And she'd stand there humbly and bow her head. And then one of my young ladies, who is now with the Lord, uh, jumped to her, would always jump to her the same one, and say, Mrs. So-and-so, without question, you're the best teacher in America. There's, there's no one like you. Oh, your teaching is the most thrilling thing we've ever heard in this world. We've got to have girls you wanted to say, if you want to say, they'd all jump up, about 20 of them. And they'd vote on her to say again. And she'd bow her head and say, girls, if you feel it, well, stay. I'll stay. Now, that didn't happen once. That happened again and again, again and again. Until finally one day I kept hearing about it. I knew it wasn't right. That dear lady knowing the Bible, you don't have to do things like that. You don't have to resign every week, Pastor. Keep on going. Just keep on going. Uh, you can go home and resign that Sunday night if you want to. After church, that always resign Monday morning and get up and go again. And I kept hearing about it. One day she came to see me. She said, uh, Brother Robertson, you understand that I've tried to re resign the class and they won't take, they won't take any resignation. 
Well, I said, I've heard about that over and over again. I said, since I ever tell you what to do, I'll take it. I said, if you want to quit, if you want to stop teaching, you may stop now. And I said, I'll oh, never teach a real class right away. She exploded. Oh, she got angry. She said, I thought you were that kind. She said, I thought you would say that. And said, you're just what I thought you were. And she said mean words not written in the Sunday school books. And uh, uh, she finally just walked out of the angry. Now, wait a minute. She was such a fundamental Christian. Excuse me, I'm giving just exactly what happened. Such a fundamental Christian. She joined the modernistic First Methodist Church on the next Sunday. That's right. After teaching in the Sunday school in a Baptist church for years, after giving the fundamental, then joined the church. That, that, that church, the old First Methodist, the First Methodist is gone now. They moved it away and joined with another one. They died. And... Uh, uh, but she joined with them, and I didn't see her. Wait a minute. A few months ago, I was speaking in a rest home. Beautiful place. The most expensive one in our city. Nice. And there were about 85 or 90 old people there, as old as I am, and older. And they were seated there, and I spoke to them. And we had a good time. They're, they're retired. All of them retired. And I finished up, and a lady walked up to me. She said, do you know me? I said, no, ma'am. Don't believe it is. She said, do you look again? You do know me too. And I said, I don't believe I know you. She said, do you recall almost 40 years ago when that teacher walked into your office and said, I'm going to resign, quit the class, and you took my resignation? Oh, she, I said, I do believe I remember that. And she said, I'm the one. Then would you listen, that lady beyond 85 years of age, almost 90, bowed her head and cried, big tears. You'll excuse me for saying that I know old people so well that old people don't cry unless there's some meaning for it. Unless there's a real meaning. They don't cry. She bowed her head and cried, and here's what she said. She said, Brother Robertson, I taught that Sunday school class and went through the school field Bible five times, chapter by chapter, taught my class. But when I resigned and quit, and you took my resignation, I walked out of there. I have gone to a half a dozen churches, but I've never taught another Sunday school class from that day to this. He said, my whole life has been wasted. I've thrown my life away. She said, the thing that I want you to get, she said, I threw my life away because I followed myself, my selfishness. Now, my friend, you watch yourself. And if you want to live a victorious life, then you die to self. You die to self. But I come to the final thing. The successful Christian life must have a passion for souls. The successful Christian life must have a passion for souls. Oh, get it. Get it. 6,100 Southern Baptist churches last year didn't have a single baptism in 12 months. More than 6,000. Not one baptism in 12 long months. That's all written down in the records. Nashville, Tennessee. Not a baptism. They have churches, they have pastors, they have workers, they have people, they have choirs, but no one got saved, no one got baptized. Somebody missed it. Somebody missed the very thing. There were people there not living successfully. The successful Christian life will bring forth fruit. John 12, 24. If you reckon self to be dead and you die to self and you bear fruit, that's what God wants of every one of us. And this is what he's going to give to all of us. Success in living. If we'll say, oh God, I'm ready. I will be a soul winner. I shall try night and day to point people to the Lamb of God. And I shall do so with prayer 
and faithfulness in witnessing and believing that something's going to happen. A successful Christian life will have a passion for souls and will see the result of your labors. Some may have more than others, but you will see the results. They'll come. I preached in a church up north one time, beautiful place. I submitted to the airport to go down to the church. But I want you to see it before we go to the motel. Went inside, beautiful building, seat over, over 1,200 people, he said. Beautiful thing, just been finished about a year or so. And I walked along the platform and stood there and looked out over the empty auditorium and he stood down the front. And I said, Pastor, this is beautiful. I'm glad to be here for these two nights. I said, how many folks were saved and baptized last year? He said, not very many. I said, about how many? He said, well, not very many. And he turned and walked away. He left me standing there with the superintendent of the Sunday school. And I said, sir, did I offend your pastor? He said, I don't know. Well, I said, maybe you can tell me. How many folks were saved and baptized in the last year? This man looked toward his departing pastors and went down the hallway and left the auditorium. He said, Brother Robertson, I shouldn't tell you, but he said, we have worshipped in, worshipped in this new building 13 months. He said, we came in here, that baptistry like it is there, and flowers, Brother Bob, were banked up in the, in the baptistry, you know, banked up in the front of it. He said, the flowers were there, those artificial flowers. And beautiful, on that opening dedication day, he said, we've never moved the flowers or filled the baptistry in 13 months. We haven't baptized one single convert. And he said, our hearts are broken. What is wrong with us? I didn't give an answer to him, but I preached that first night, and people got saved. I preached the second night, people got saved. They baptized Wednesday night for the first time in 13 months. Now, wait a minute. Somewhere that preacher in his board, I think he used a technique, uh, Dr. Hudson and some preachers that I know about, they write me letters. We've been having a building campaign, and when you have, and when you have a building campaign, things kind of slow down. Well, they shouldn't. They shouldn't do it. And he took the attitude, now we're building a building, raising money, and that, of course, is taking all of our time. We have no time. It was wrong. But God brought him back, I believe, and redeemed the situation. Now, today, the successful Christian life. And you say in your heart, I want my life to be a success. I want to be what God wants me to be. And I surrender myself to him. Now, hold on to John 12, 24. You'll need that before the day's out. You need before next Sunday. There the very I send you, except a corn of wheat, fall into the ground and die. It abideth alone, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit knvbc.com for Christian music you can trust.